And this is Talking Pictures, our weekly review of movies and film, doing something a little different today. As a matter of fact, uh, we are talking pictures about pictures today. First, our resident film guru with a review of a film that's very much about pictures, a Steven Spielberg, um, sort of a self-documentary, as it were, The Fablemans, joining us. Hello out there. And from sunny Florida, usually sunny Florida, he says he's actually had to put on a long sleeve shirt of, of late, horrors, our film guru emeritus, Mr. Denny Lynch. And he's going to have a wonderful look at Max Steiner. If you know that name, you do know movies. First film, start us off with The Fablemans. Oh, The Fablemans, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. It is a semi-autobiographical film that deals with uh, sort of uh, his personal life, but also, as you had mentioned, his love for cinema, Okay, an exploration of what brought him into making movies. Uh, the film starts off with, uh, well, the... Uh, one of the earliest experiences of his uh, his uh, life uh, in, involved with films, and that is the screening or seeing the greatest uh, show on earth, oh. uh, the DeMille film. Yes. And it starts off with him waiting in line in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's, like, scared to go in, okay? And the parents are trying to convince him, like, okay, it's going to be a great experience for you to see this film. The mother, okay, who is played by Michelle Williams, who does a wonderful job in this film, is the artistic side of the family. Keeps saying, oh, it's going to be like magic to see these people. He goes, oh, they're going to be giant figures on the screen. It's going to be frightening. And the father, who is an electrical engineer, played by uh, Paul Dano, who is really good at this as well, mm. uh, explains, like, this is what persistence of vision is. And he, he explains it in technical aspects so that sort of explore it kind of lays out the the division of thinking how what film is is it this magical thing or is this this piece of technology mm. well he goes in and he's blown away by the experience and of course the big thing is the big train crash oh right, yes if you remember in that and uh, he goes home and uh, he requests for hanukkah he well he gets a train set and he sets up to <laughs> what have them collide and do all of the sort of uh, that and his mother gives him a camera and says you should record it ah. okay so you have the that sort of that kernel that's introduced in, in the film um, very strong performances going on in here like I had mentioned Michelle Williams is wonderful as the as the mother who is very torn okay we have a very dysfunctional type of family going on here mm. uh, uh, also Paul Dano. Fantastic is the father in this. Uh, Gabriel LaBelle, who plays Sammy, okay, who is the what the Spielberg uh, uh, figure, he's good. At times, I think they were asking him to do things that he wasn't capable of doing. He comes off a little bit uh, mopey, okay? But that kind of fits. The mopey period is his teenage years while he's in high school, so he's ah, moping around and yeah. things like that. It's got Seth Rogen in it, and if you like Seth Rogen, uh, then you like Seth Rogen. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Seth Rogen. <laughs> Nor okay. am I. I can only take him in little doses, which fortunately there's little doses in here. Okay, <laughs> But he's a key figure in, in this film. Uh, another person to mention, David Lynch, plays John Ford. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, to me, he's not... Uh, He's not John Ford, okay. Well, but no, uh, it, it, he's David Lynch. I, I think of other people who could play him maybe better. But th that aside, the best part of the film is the aspect of Spielberg exploring cinema. Uh, the idea of this, I always think of Spielberg kind of broken down into two figures. You got the Stevie 
okay, figure. He makes the action genre films, right? So Indiana Jones and things like that is on one side, which he really excels in, you know, Jurassic Park and so on. And then you have the St. Stephen films. And the St. Stephen films are your Schindler's List, things taken very seriously. So actually that tension is played across in this film really well uh, because uh, as he's kind of working through his 8-millimeter stage and his 16-millimeter stage, he uh, he records his family. His family sort of is his cast and uh, crew for the filmmaking, a business of it. But he catches little glimpses of things that he captures accidentally uh, that is going on in the family. And I'm not going to go any further than that. Uh, that very much disturbs him. And all of a sudden he starts to realize that film has sort of different functions film he's drawn to the genre stuff we see some great reenactment of a film that he made escape to nowhere which is a military film uh, which nicely uh, replicated in this film Uh, but also the idea that film can reveal things that are sensitive that are uh, uh, disturbing that can unearth uh, maybe the opinions upon which you stand Okay, and I think that that is sort of nicely worked through in here. Later on, he gets the opportunity to make a. Uh, in high school, they have this uh, beach uh, kind of uh, holiday that they have, and he's he's given a 16 millimeter camera to record it. And he he makes it sort of into this uh, what uh, fun beach party movie, but at the same time capturing people doing things that they didn't realize they were being filmed to do, and very much disturbs the folks. Also in the film nicely worked through is the uh, the anti-Semitism that he had to face uh, as a youth and that tension as well. Played very seriously and at times very comic uh, when he's working with his girlfriend, one of his first, well, his first girlfriend uh, that we see uh, in the film. Uh, uh, nicely worked out. Um, the idea that uh, the, the, what is commerce and what is art, I think that is nicely worked through. Uh, and the, uh, uh, well, DeMille Ford, which sort of uh, bookends this film, I-, I think really works nicely. Uh, I think, again, great roles. I think that, one, uh, Judd Hirsch is sort of wasted as uh, Uncle Boris. He's sort of brought in, and then just, he's a, ca- a cartoon character. And then they just mm-hmm. drop caricature. him. Yeah, he, he's a caricature. And some of these people come off almost caricature-like. Even Sammy, at moments, have caricature uh, levels. Um I highly recommend it, though. It's long, okay? Uh, but uh, And there are places where it feels sort of like they're skirting on the surface of things. But uh, uh, the domestic quandary and the working of the cinema, a film as a part of your uh, vocation, avocation, uh, I think is nicely worked through. All right. Thank you very much. Denny, tell us about Max Steiner. All right. Uh, if you know anything about... Uh, movies really from oh 1930 1929 till the mid 60s you're probably familiar with this fellow's work mm-hmm. um we finally here have a feature-length documentary about one of the most important contributors to the art of talking pictures max steiner was born in vienna in 1888 to a family involved in music and his dad ran a large amusement park there. He grew up and knew Richard Wagner. He knew Johann Strauss, which is certainly why he developed an early interest in music. He started writing and performing publicly in his youth and was publishing sheet music in, by those mid-teen years. Wow. 
Eventually, he moved to England, then New York City, where he was involved in arranging, conducting, and composing music for popular Broadway shows. Hmm. By 1929, he was in Hollywood. He was invited to start with uh, his eight years there at RKO, doing Fred Astaire musicals. Um, David <laughs> O'Sullivan became aware of it. Selznick was a major producer there at RKO, and he was really interested in the art of film. And it was Steiner that really started proposing, you know, if we put background music behind scenes, we can emphasize the mood, the tone, the emotions that you're trying to get the character convey. My gosh, it was Steiner that came up with that. This is Steiner, yes. Wow. Uh, but it was his efforts to have music included in dramatic films where he made his mark. His score for the original King Kong in 1933 is brilliant, mm -hmm. adding excitement to the to the uh, action and giving real emotional strength to Kong himself. In Kong, the opening is in New York, and uh, the producer meets Faye Ray and invites her to come and be in this movie. We're going to go to an island in the South Seas, and we're going to have an adventure. And there's no music, really, until they're at the shore of Skull Island, and suddenly you hear this quiet, very gentle music. It's suspenseful, it's calm, but it's hinting that there's something going to happen here mm -hmm. and then by the time they get to the island it's non-stop music for the rest of the film it's just an astonishing performance um he worked on kong for selznick and he event selznick eventually bought him into the score for gone with the wind yes diner then moved to warner brothers from 37 to 53 and he also did other films later there in other studios until 65 he scored over 300 films with that to his credit. You probably know some of them. The Informer, Casablanca, Now Voyager, Dodge City, They Died With Their Boots On, The Adventures of Don Juan, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and A Summer Place. He was nominated for 24 Oscars, and he won three. Hmm. This is fascinating, a thorough look at his life and music. I have many LPs and CDs and a ton of sheet music from his films, and I'd never seen a film interview with him before. And I was surprised because I should have expected and didn't. He had an Austrian accent. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. Um, this, If you love film music, do not miss it. It's on Turner Classic Movies that came out last year. It's called Max Steiner, Maestro of Mu Movie Music. Excellent. I'm going to catch that. Thank you so very much. Folks, who want to know what you're watching? Tell us what you're giving thumbs up or thumbs down. Our email address is talkingpics at kcck.org.